welcome to Ridgecrest Baptist. We thank you for listening. Now, here is this week's message. Amen. If you have your copy of God's Word this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation, the 22nd chapter. I want you to go to the last book, the last chapter, and almost the last few words of that. And I want to talk to you today about God's warning. I almost entitled this message, The Last Warning, because it being in the last chapter and in the last book and almost the last words, but I want you to understand that it is God's warning today. It is God speaking to us that before He closes the book, before He closes the Bible, that He wants to say to His church and to His believers and to the whole world some truths today that I want to share with you because I, I have based my entire ministry upon the Word of God. I believe in the Word of God. I, I've tried to preach it. I've tried to live by it. I've tried to promote it in every possible way that, uh, that I could because I believe it is all based on the Word of God. What we do here this morning, what we have built here, what what has been done over the years as pastor after pastor has come and stood and preached, it has all been built upon the Word of God. You know these truths today, but I want to remind you of them today. I want them to be brought keenly aware to you with maybe greater clarity than you've ever had before about the truth of God's Word. In Revelation chapter 22, I want to begin reading in verse 18 and read verses 18 and 19. John writes, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, from the things which are written in this book. Four times he says this book. He wants us to understand what he's talking about here out of the Word of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you for the reading of the Word of God today. And Lord, I pray it take precedence over everything else that is said and done here today. It is your Word that needs to be lifted up. It is your Word that we must abide by, live by every day. So Father, I pray that it speaks to us today that it speaks to the very depths of our heart, our soul. And Father, that it would be so powerful today that it would just change our lives, that it would speak to that lost heart today, that they would come to know Christ as their personal Savior. It would preach today and speak today to the wayward heart today, that that person would recommit and begin to walk afresh and new in a recommitted life to the call. Just be with us in our midst. Help us, Lord, just to preach your truth. Lord, that's all I want to do today. I want it to please you, but Lord, please let me preach the truth of God this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
About a year or so ago, my mother-in-law died. She had been in the Malibu nursing home about four or five years. And so very often, my wife and I would go down and, and uh, spend that time with her. And there was always her worn-out Bible there beside her. And so one day, I began to talk to Edith about that, uh, about her Bible. And she had a, another place over there on the shelf. And she pulled back the little place that was covered up by it. And there was about three or four other Bibles that she had worn out right there. All of them marked up. All of them talked about the number of times that she had read through the Bible and the effect that it had upon her life. I began to think about that, and I had my mother's Bible, so I went back to my house, and I found it where I had stored it, and I began to thumb through my mom's Bible, and I began to see all the frayed edges, I began to see all the words that were underlined and highlighted, all the notes that were made uh, on the side in the margin of that Bible, and I began to realize that both of these women that had had a great impact upon my life were speaking volumes to me. And it was speaking and saying to me that if our Bibles are worn out, we are in line with Jesus. Can I get a witness about that? That if your Bible today says a great deal about you, if it really is used, if it is one that we have used it like we ought to, it will show up in our lives. If we are out of line with the Bible, I believe we're out of line with everything else, that our life will end up in trouble because of that. And there's a reason for that. I don't know if it affected uh, my mother-in-law and my mother's life, but I think they probably read numerous of times the text that I've read to you today. And maybe out of that text is what inspired their life and realized that we need to stick with the book. That we need to read the book, study the book, live by the book every day of our life. Because God said, don't add or don't take away from the book. Now what he's saying is that we need to stay with the text. Now, I know if I talk text or the verb form text this morning, every one of us think about our phones. It goes directly to our phone because we think about texting somebody and what we might say to that person. But the Greek textus is a, a form, it's really a Latin word, and it simply means a composition of words. So the textus... The Word of God is 39 chapters in the Old Testament, 26 chapters in the New, and those 66 books is the text of God today. And this part of the text says that you and I don't need to mess with the text. Now, I believe this strongly this morning. So I'm preaching from passion today, out of my life, and if it seems a little strong, then so be it, folks, because I firmly believe the Word of God. So I want to share three things and then some subtitles to you, subtopics today as well, that I want you to understand what God is saying to us. First of all, we need to understand that the text, the Word of God is settled 
that the Word of God is settled law. It is the settled Word of God. You and I don't get a vote on any of that. In Psalms 119 and 89, God says, Forever, O Lord, your Word is settled in heaven. In verse 152, it says, Concerning your testimonies, the Word of God, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. Psalms 119, 160 says, The entirety of your Word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgment endures forever. The Bible says also in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16, or verse 6 and 7, Then he said unto me, These words are faithful and true. Verse 7, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the word, words of the prophecy of this book. And then also in Luke's gospel, The Bible tells us in chapter 16 and verse 7, it says, And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one tittle of the law to fail. So hear me today, not only in our text today, but throughout many places through the Word of God, it is telling us that the Word of God is settled. If it's settled, then that means that I can't add to it or I can't take away. I have to take the Bible for what it says, and I have to bring that application into my life. I must heed it. I must live by it. Whether I like it or not, it is settled law of God. If something is settled, if something is a standard, that shall not be moved. Let me ask you this morning. Let me bring it down to where we live. How do you know how much a pound of something is? How, about, how do you know how much a yard something is? You've studied that in school. See, there's a... There's a place, it's the Institute in Washington, D.C. There's the National Institute of Standard of Techno- Standards of Weights and Technology. It was established in 1901. It's had three name changes through the years. But they tell us that a pound is 16 ounces. That, st- that uh, institute tells us That 36 inches is a yard. There's no argument about that. You don't go down to Publix tomorrow and buy a pound of hamburger and want to argue with the guy at the meat market there about how much a pound is. It is settled law. There's nothing to argue about. There's no question in anybody's mind about that. You go to uh, some fabric place tomorrow and you buy a yard of yarn, you are material, you're going to know how much that is because it is settled law. Now, you and I accept that. We live with that every day of our life. And yet the Bible says that the law is settled. 
That the Word of God is settled among us today. And yet we want to argue about the Word of God. And we want, to, we want to change it in whatever way we want to. But the truth of the matter is, whether you like it or I like it, the Word of God is the standard by which we live our lives. You ever had somebody tell you, I have as a preacher, when they don't like what I preach. And they'll say, well, preacher, that's just the way you see it. And that's not the way I believe it. It may be sin for you, but it's not sin for me. Let me tell you, folks, there's no two sets of standards today. What God's Word says, it applies to my life and it applies to your life as well. The text is settled law today, and you and I don't get to pick and choose about what we like. Secondly, the text is attacked. In the world that we live in today, and it has always been that way, there have always been those that have attacked the Word of God, or they try to subtract from it. Eve was the first subtractor. You remember that story? The Bible, the devil says to Eve, did not God say? Eve knew exactly what God had said, and yet she began to change that, and she began to try to make application of that in some other way. And so she began the process that the text of God, the Word of God, was being attacked on every side. And we've seen it grow from that. We see it in our lifetime as well. One of the places... and. I know my days are getting shorter here. And one of the things that I've planned is that I, I told my wife to quit buying shoes or clothes. We need to save our money. I want to go to Washington to the Museum of the Bible. Now, God knows if there ever would be a place for the Museum of the Bible, it ought to be in Washington. God knows they need it there. Holly Lobby is part of it, and what I understand is like five floors, and every floor is the size of a Holly Lobby. Now, I couldn't tell you how big that was, but my wife could tell you probably every square foot of it. But I want to go there. I've already been to the Museum of Creation. I've been to Noah's Ark, and, and because I believe the Bible, and I've stood on it, and for nearly 50 years i preached the Word of God, I want to go see how they have it displayed in the history about the Word of God. But I've done enough studying about it that I realize that they have Thomas Jefferson's Bible there. They have it on display, or a picture of it, or something. Now, what makes that so unusual is that if you know the life of Thomas Jefferson, he was a deist. He believed things his way. What Thomas Jefferson did is that he took the Bible and he cut out what he didn't like. He put in what he liked. And so he created his own Bible and they have it on display there. Now, I've got to tell you, folks, Whatever kind of man Thomas Jefferson was, I wouldn't stand in his shoes on judgment day for his socks. Because he has taken the Word of God and decided what right for him and what he thinks should not be there. But before I condemn Thomas Jefferson, should I look at my own life and you look at yours? 
Because how many times do we take God's holy word and we read what we want and we make that application to our life and what we don't want, we skip over it or we do what I said a while ago is that we rule that out as being a part of our lives today. But my Bible says you don't tamper with the text. We don't take what's easy, we take all of it and we live by it. That's why the Bible says that we must rightly divide the Bible. So don't say, I know what it says, but I'll live the way I want to because that's my choice to be able to do that. That's wrong and you know it's wrong. But there are three attacks I want to take a sidebar and look at this morning. I believe there are three attacks about, first of all, there's the pagan or the worldly attack that has always been on the Word of God. They don't believe it. They don't want to have anything to do with it. The first real recollection of that we have is in history is Diocletian. You know the story. Diocletian was the emperor, and in 303 A.D., he decided we're going to burn every Bible in Rome. He was, he tried to kill every Christian that he could find. And once he had did that, he, he created a monument. And on that monument today that is in Rome, it simply says, extinct is the name Christian. That was his goal. Let me tell you what history says. Twelve years later, after 303, Constantine is on the throne, and Constantine is the emperor. And at that time, he created the shield, or had the shields made for the army, and on that shield, he put a cross. And he had this statement to say, In this sign, go and conquer. What Diocletian tried to stomp out and, and, and do away with only lasted 12 years because my Bible says that the Word of God will last forever. Isaiah said, the flower will fade, the grass will wither away, but the Word of God will last forever. Diocletian tried and he couldn't do anything about it because the Word of God is going to stand. The second attack is the ecclesiastical attack or the church attack today. All around us, in 1600, Martin Luther was a grown man before he ever had the opportunity to see and to read the Word of God himself. They left it in Latin. The church and only a few people had access to it. And once Martin Luther saw that, you know the results of that when he realized that the just shall live by faith. And Martin Luther took those 95 theses and he nailed them to the door at Wittenberg. And he started from the midst of that the reformation that changed the world. Because Martin Luther realized that it is the word of God that will stand forever. Out of the midst of that, John Wycliffe came out of that, and he had translated the Bible. That was heresy of that day. And they told John, they said, we're going to kill you. But he died before they could burn him at the stake. So you know what they did? They went, after he had died and had his burial, they dug up John Wycliffe's body, burned his bones, 
and then took those ashes and threw them in the river swift because they didn't want anything to do with it. But this is what they didn't know. The river swift run into three small rivers and those rivers run into the ocean and today the word of God is spread through all nations around the whole world and what they tried to stop that day John Whitcliffe because of his passion for the word of God lives forever today because it is the word of God even in this day and age We've got men that will walk behind the pulpit, read from this Bible, and give you some kind of ditty of a sermon that they call a sermon, and yet out of the midst of it, they don't believe the Bible, they don't live by the Bible. I'm telling you that if we're going to survive as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today, we must stand up against the attacks of the Word of God and believe what God's Word has to say to us. Doesn't matter what preachers say, it doesn't matter what people say, but what does the Word of God say? Now, there are no perfect churches, and certainly this church will never be perfect as long as I'm here. But one thing we can do right is that we can stay with the text and live by the Word of God. We live in a day and age where within where we live, people attack it. People say all the time, well, I, I believe that God won't do this. I had somebody here a couple of weeks ago. I was trying to witness to them, and they said, See, I don't agree with you. They said, I don't believe that God, a loving, gracious God that I believe in, would send anybody to hell. Now, let me tell you, that sounds sweet and good, but it's just not true, folks. But God doesn't send anybody to hell. You send yourself to hell. The Word of God says... That we will stand on the truth of God. And that's what God's called us to do. And we must live by it. But people try to change it every day. We got a Supreme Court that try to tell us what marriage is nowadays. I don't understand that, folks. I mean, my Bible says it is a male and a female. In the Garden of Eden, there was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, folks. And that's just the truth of God. If you don't like it, you, you argue with the Bible about that. It is what it stands for. I, I, that there's no way that, that two males or two females can be a, a scriptural, a biblical marriage. Let me just put it this way. The plumbing just don't work, folks. So there's no way that's going to happen. But beyond that, the Word of God says that that's... And it doesn't matter to me what the Supreme Court says. To me, it is as tr it's the truth is as old as Genesis. And I'm bumfuzzled by a world that would try to change all of those things. We have got to stand again on the Word of God. But it is also rational. People attack it from the rational way. People say nowadays, well, I don't believe in the virgin birth. I don't believe in the death and the resurrection. I, I just don't know about this thing about Jesus coming again. It is eating away at the very foundation of what we stand. And, and, and we, 
kids are taught this in some of our higher learning places of education. And they are inbred with this stuff. And they begin to think, well, maybe they may be right. But the Word of God will stand forever. In 1779, Voltaire said that in a hundred years, the Bible won't even be nothing. You might find one in a museum, is what Voltaire said in 1779. He said only a hundred years later. But let me tell you, it's been a lot longer than that. And you've got to go to a museum today to find out about Voltaire. But the Word of God is in every home, all across the world, on every shelf, and most of us own many copies of it because the Word of God stands forever. So let the attacks come. God's Word will stand, and as long as there's breath in my body, I will stand on the Word of God, preach the Word of God, live by the Word of God, and I will worry about what the world or anybody else says. And that's the way we ought to live. Thirdly, and I'll hurry, is that the text is inspired. That's what the Word of God said. We all know uh, what the Scriptures tell us in Second. Uh, Timothy, that all Scripture is given by inspiration. All graphe is what the Greek says. All graphe is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's what he said. He says it is God bread. You know what that that word is? New is theonusos. That's the word for God bread. Theo means God. Nusos means breathed. That God bread, God breathed and it came out. What he's saying is that when God spoke, the breath of God went across. Uh, what you're hearing today is my breath. I know it's loud sometimes, soft, uh, probably never soft, but you, you hear it. Scientifically or medically, it is my breath going over my vocal cords and it is what is breathed out of me. That's what the text is saying here. That Theonusos, that it breathed right out of the very voice box of God. And we have the Word of God today based on that. If God has said it, if God breathed it, then we need to live by that. John wrote in Revelation 1 in verse 3. He says, Blessed is he, listen, who reads, those who hear the words of the of this prophecy and keep or do those things which are written in here. Three things John tells us. He says, first of all, you ought to read the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Every day we ought to read it. Every day the Word of God ought to show up in our lives you say, preach, I don't understand it. You read it, God will reveal it to you. You just keep read, reading it and studying because God will show you the truths that you need because the Word of God is said we ought to read the Word of God. Let me make a deal with you this week. That you'll read the Bible more than you'll watch cable news this week. That you'll read the Bible more than you'll watch a soap opera. 
that you'll read the Bible more than you'll do some of the other things that you do in your life. And I guarantee you that it'll make it. Why in the world do we want to watch bad news when we read the good news? And it will affect our lives. Secondly, he says we ought to hear it. That's why you ought to be in Bible study. That's why you ought to be involved in a church that teaches the Bible on all the different frag, uh, areas that we have people teaching the Word of God. We ought to hear it every day because I believe what comes in is what's going to come out. Now, also, we need to thirdly do it. We need to act like the Bible says. We ought to be the real deal, folks. We ought not be counterfeit Christians. We ought, to, we ought to use the Bible in our lives every day. These young folks don't remember it, but uh, of course I don't remember when it came out, but I've watched it several times. Several weeks ago, I, I couldn't sleep one night and, you know, just flipping through the channels and, you know, it's all these infant commercials at two and three in the morning. But on one of those channels, there was the old movie, Sergeant York. Any of y'all remember that old movie? I think Cooper was was in that thing. You know, story. he was on the backside of Tennessee somewhere. Uh, didn't know nothing about the King's English or anything else. He was as country of a hick as you can be. But one night in a, in a lightning storm that got next to him, he got gloriously saved in the midst of it. It was during World War I, and he was supposed to go off to war. He told his preacher, oh, preacher Powell, he said, I ain't a-going. Preacher Powell said, why ain't you a-going? And he said, because the Bible's against killing. That's why I'm not going. And old preacher Powell says, oh, my, you got the using kind. I thought when I heard that, it stuck with me. There are a lot of people today that's got the reading kind but they don't have the use and kind of the Bible. What kind of it is in you today? Is the Bible enough in you that, that it's able to be seen? My Bible also says faith without works is dead. We need to take a step today to heed the Word of God. To take a step today to live by the Word of God. Because it ought to have an effect on our lives. You know, I've been in places where people argued about the translations that you use and everything else. I've had pulpit committees through the years that's talked to me, and, and that's one of the first things. They didn't want to know if I saved. They didn't want to know about my education. They didn't want to know what I'm, they didn't want to know about translation. You know what I've come to realize? It's not about all of those things, but it's what the Bible does in our lives. My mother-in-law, right before she died, she'd always go down to the Sunday services they would have on Sunday afternoon. When she was in the wheelchair, a lot of times we'd go down, push her down, or Dell and Marie would go and sit in that service with her so they could worship with her in that. One day I went by to, to see Edith, and, and uh, she was in there, and nobody was in there but me. And so Edith said, how much does an iPad cost? Well, a 92-year-old woman wouldn't even know how to turn an iPad on. I said, you, you, you don't want no iPad. What are you talking about? She said, well, there's a preacher that comes down here. And every time he goes up to the stand, that's what she called the pulpit, that little stand there in that cafeteria. She said, 
He, he don't take a Bible. He just takes an a iPad with him. And I said, well, Momo, everything's in that. He, he's got Bible on it and everything else. And she said, but Albert, I don't like that. She said, I think when a man goes to the stand, he ought to take the Word of God with him. Now, you can agree or disagree with her. But the truth of the matter is, it's not whether or not you light it up on a tablet or whether you carry one like I carry one. But the real issue is, what does it look like in you? Where you read it off a tablet, read it out of the Word of God, what does that Word look like in your life? Because when the bottom line comes down, that's all that matters. It's what the Word of God looks like in me and you. That's why before God closed the book, before God shut down everything, He said, don't mess with the book. Live by the Word of God. So what about you today? How does that Word look in your life? If it doesn't look like what I preached about and what the Bible says this morning, that's what an altar like this is for. For you to get your life right with God, it's got to be right with the Bible today. And maybe it's not right with the Bible or right with God today because you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. That the truth of the matter is your name's on a church roll, but you have no desire for the Bible, you have no desire for that. And this morning you need the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to save your soul and to transform your life. And the good news is... God will do it, God can do it, and God wants to do it this morning. Would you stand with me for prayer? Father, I pray that in this moment of invitation, God, I know it's been an unusual message. Maybe, Lord, it's been more teaching than anything else. But, God, I believe today in the power of the Son of God. I believe today in the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, I pray you take these stumbling, these ignorant remarks, some kind of way, Lord, and make something out of them in our lives today that we would respond to the call of Christ upon our lives. We hope this message will help you in your spiritual walk and growth. For more about Ridgecrest, please visit us on the web at www.rbc-tuscaloosa.com. Have a great day, and God bless.